All right, what's up, guys? Today is a very, very important day because today marks the very first episode of the Dual Shock and Sense podcast, your definitive place for all things PlayStation. That's right. You don't have to go to any of these other PlayStation podcasts. This is the one that you want to be at. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, but with me, as always, to, to kick things off, I have two very, very great guest alongside of me i have macho how are you doing man good what's going on guys it's macho here from lordofgaming.net assistant editor and all things for reviews for kingdom hearts and final fantasy what's going on guys happy to be here on the first pilot episode of the dual shock intense podcast that's right i'm i'm definitely gonna have fun with you uh just just making fun of kingdom hearts and you're gonna you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna try to tell me why it's it's a good series so I can, absolutely i, can, I, I got all the it. best points for you cool 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 um and then we also got the equally great walter how you doing man yo walter oh man i don't know about the kingdom hearts man uh <laughs> i started off like few months ago with level one gaming i'm actually pretty new to this whole journalism podcast thing so treat me nice y'all please be bear with me i'll 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 get these points across i'm a psych major so we might get a bit deeper than we should (laughs) (laughs) see see, see, he will definitely like kingdom hearts we're we're off to a great start oh for sure for sure he's he's looking for that (laughs) that deep narrative that that kingdom hearts will provide Oof. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, I'll definitely have everybody's uh, Twitter links and handles and all that stuff in the description below. Uh, these guys like truly do some great, great work on on their respective sites. So definitely go out and support them. Um, so Macho, you got you want to tell us like what what is the basis like what we're trying to accomplish with this podcast? For real, let's do it. So the Dual Shock and Sense podcast is basically just a collaborative effort between myself, Jay here, and Walt to kind of not uh, steer the ship in terms of, you know, whether uh, PlayStation is, um, you know, a full-on negative place to be in because we did notice there was a little bit of imbalance within the community when it comes to uh, just sharing positive news and promoting uh, PlayStation gamers and positivity throughout this entire community and uh, that's kind of just our goal which is to kind of promote this positivity that's in in the community and kind of have our place in it as well because we are all PlayStation gamers here we love the brand we love the content they put out so our mission really are really just for kind of a reason for getting this podcast together is to put a little more positivity into the community um, we would love to also have our opinions out there when it comes to these games, because PlayStation is growing, great gaming is growing. Is if anything, the the twenty twenty year and the pandemic really showcase how great gaming is for others. And um, we just want to be kind of uh, uh, not like icons, but more or less just kind of like people you can go to when it comes to PlayStation news and uh, our opinions when it comes to the brand itself. Yeah, definitely. I definitely co-sign that for sure, man. Uh, and we're definitely going to shoot to be to be PlayStation icons, man. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Baby steps, right? Baby steps. Baby steps for sure. And I actually just realized, man, that I didn't even introduce myself. That's that's how much that's how rough this this first episode is going to be, man. But that's <laughs> hey, that's that's the nature of the beast. 
Um, <laughs> I am your host. Uh, you can call me Jay or, or Soul. Um, I write for three sites, actually. The lore is a gaming.net, uh, Level 1 Gaming, and the PlayStation Bras. You guys can find all my work on, on those respective sites. Um, so, yeah, man, let's, let's kick things off with... Um, a little bit of an icebreaker, man. So PlayStation releases like the last couple of years, this sort of year in review wrap up that takes uh, a look back at some of your stats of the previous year. And so like some of the stats includes like uh, total playtime hours, what, you know, kind of uh, days of the week do you spend the most time gaming? And uh, one category that we are going to talk about is our top games in 2020. Um, so we'll start from the bottom and work our way up. And uh, we can each talk a little bit about, you know, these, these games, like uh, how you felt about them, why you spent so much time in them, for instance, um, just things like that. So just as a little bit of an icebreaker to, to kind of see what each of us are, are kind of into. Um, so does does anyone want to want to kick it off? <laughs> Are you nervous to go first? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to put that. I don't want to put that bad energy into the universe again. <laughs> uh, I mean, well, well, you go first, I mean, you go. First. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm the most obscure. Uh, y'all, you two. I don't really, I haven't really said anything about mine, but for some reason, I still managed for for as much as. I hate and love that game. I go back and forth. I put 100 hours one one day, and then the next, I just forget about it. I put 62 hours into Destiny 2. For some god forsaken reason, I still go back to that game. For as much, for as many ups and downs as it's been through, I've been playing Destiny in general since the beta. I just, I guess it's just nostalgia at this point, but I don't know. It's It feels... When I play it, it's not even, I don't even enjoy my time there. I just, I just do it out of pure, maybe just respect to, to the game because it's still up and kicking. But I don't know, man. Uh, Were you a fan of the first one? I mean, sure. It, I don't know. It, 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 that didn't sound too reassuring, man. <laughs> I, I, I think it's more of the of the people I met along the way. Like literally, not not be not to be super cheesy, but I met so many great people that right now I can call like longtime friends over there. I just play maybe for the sake of just reliving those memories. I'm not that old either. I'm not like fifty, but like I still, you know, you gotta remember that each day you gotta be the best that you can because the next day it'll all be just a memory, man. Like. Just gotta make the best out of it but are we gonna do all our threes or are we gonna all tell our threes and then move on to the next one um i think we should go like like so you finish like you do all your three in in one go and then all right you got uh, it yeah go like that no, number two which it's number two and how many hours i put but it's actually my number one game of last year and that's yakuza like a dragon i put in nice 143 hours into this game i platinum this game i fell in love with this game it's i wouldn't say it's my number one out of the yakuza series but it's definitely on my top three yeah, really Interesting. oh yeah oh yeah no it the approach they went with the turn base the the multiple party members oh man the the, the story really immersed me yeah, so let me let me ask you about that really quick how how did the turn-based combat like compare to not only like you know the classic kind of beat em up 
combat of you know previous Yakuza games but like did it did it feel similar to like a persona style turn-based combat honestly yeah it it in terms of of how it was executed obviously it has its own Yakuza flair but the way they approach the turn base, the the UI even, it does feel like it's Persona 5's like soul in there. Um, the Even to the summons, even though you don't really have summons in Persona, you have the Personas, but in this case, you have what's called Pound Mates. And it really does fit, feel like the Yakuza equivalent of, of, a, of a summon, so you would call it. Um, it nice. really, I really feel like if they keep going this route, for the next, I don't know how many years they're gonna keep doing this series. They're they're gonna do just fine. They already found their their West audience at this point from from their origins. So yeah, for sure. I'd say they really they really stuck the landing with this one. Man, I, I just want to say how happy I am for that studio because like it, it feels like like their breakout game was was Yakuza Zero. Like that that felt like the first time that that series like finally kind of you know broke mainstream. Like you know kind of mainstream or whatever. Right. Now you're you're seeing it kind of ending up on all these different platforms, and your the games are selling really well as well. And I don't know, I'm 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 really really happy for that studio because it's like they're no longer a niche. Like Yakuza feels like a like a household name now, and I think that's pretty cool. Oh, for yeah, that's, sure. That's, yeah, that's awesome actually. Because like I said that that studio kind of had like growing pains with, um, that had like it's like it's not cult, but more of its um. Uh, one second uh sorry about that um it had like it's like um group like it's hardcore fan base that just love those games and now everybody's kind of experiencing them i haven't really de- delved too deep into the yakuza series but um i did play through judgment and that was excellent yeah for sure for sure yeah i would say it has that refined judgment flair with classic yakuza elements just the, the biggest difference being the turn-based uh approach to combat but honestly i think i might be wrong but i think rgg and atlas are in the same building so maybe they got inspiration from that like from them directly yeah i think that's right but uh man they really the game i couldn't i got to the point where it, i wanted to platinum it out of pure love for the game but it got well, there's what trophy that just requires so much grinding it got to the point of being a chore but even th- by then i loved the game um but i would definitely revisit it i'm probably gonna do new game plus with it um and finally to no surprise to me at least because obviously it's my number still my favorite game of all time probably uh at number one i have persona 5 royal hell <laughs> yeah dude hell yeah man like 201 hours to that game it is it's by no means more than the first Persona 5 that I put hours in because the first one I put like almost 300 hours in. But with this one, oh my God. Even though it's the content, it's the equivalent of a DLC. And a lot of people were complaining that you had to pay full price for this whole different, quote unquote, different game, new game. But in reality, it was just a definitive edition or whatever. I'll it really is. comment on that later. Mm-hmm. And it really isn't. It really isn't. Like when you start this game, from the moment you start the game, you already see that, oh, this is a completely different story. Like maybe, maybe it's the same premise in a sense, but the story itself, it goes a whole different uh way. Yeah. It's it's amazing. That's that's something that like so like I, I know that like some of the major, major changes don't get introduced until like towards the end game, I believe. 
um but like even i like i'm only like in the second palace with royal right now and even i there's like subtle changes and differences and like tweaks to the story that i'm noticing like even as early that as as i'm into it right now um so yeah i mean <laughs> I, I agree man I, I i love it just as much no for sure and 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 i think one of the biggest things in terms of graphically at least you don't see much of a difference from the original persona but I think it's because it, it's been so long, at least for me, since I played the first Persona, that this one just felt the same. But the first Persona was made with the intention of it being on PS3 and PS4. This one's the first Persona 5 edition or whatever that's made with next-gen, same next-gen, but it's PS4 in the sense that PS3 was the first one um, in right. mind. So the graphics are better. The, the It's a much more refined. They have... A much more streamlined i think it's much more accessible for people a lot of the there's much more tutorials that cover things that they didn't really cover in the first persona i think it was but uh it's amazing man it's i it's an amazing game i i i want to play it again just talking about it i want to play it again because there's there's platinum it i platinum it of course but there's yes. also what what they call a thieves den which is an extra like achievement layer where you have to let's say like you have to romance everyone at least once during a playthrough or you have you have to acquire every uh valentine's day gift that they give you it's it's a whole different achievement system which adds even more replayability to the game which is amazing but um yeah, in, in total that would be just 449 hours that i would not give away they were incredibly spent uh throughout these three games as much as i love hate destiny too it it, it was a good time i, I reconnected with some peeps nice. uh yeah that, that that was my top three for for 2020 and including my number one game as much as much as i love last of us 2 it, for me it wasn't number one just for the reason that yakuza gave me more of a game feel uh last of us uh was more of a experience not so much of a game it was more of a story of, an, of a narrative experience while yakuza was more of a what you call traditional game it felt much more gamey in a sense um oh man i'm not i'm not gonna get into that with you right now i'm not, <laughs> I'm not gonna do it <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll get there at some point yeah for sure for sure um all right just fyi i'm not i didn't come prepared to to add up all my hours i i, I can't i'm not gonna do simple math like that right now so <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm incapable of doing that right now um all right so yeah i'll, I'll go next uh this first one i'm gonna breeze through it man for for reasons that do not need to be disclosed at this current time um <laughs> so first my my number three game is the witcher 3 wild hunt but 75 hours into it in 2020, uh, that came out to like, in total, I have like over 740 hours in The Witcher 3, I wanna say. Um, I guess just add that to the bank, man. I'm, I'll probably play that game for like another 100 hours. Um, again, I'm not gonna talk too much about it because like, I'm, I'm a huge Witcher fan and, and yeah. Um, so number two, we got, a game that I'm honestly so conflicted about. Like I have so many, like, I don't even know. Like I, I enjoyed this game, but at the same time, like 
I didn't like it, it was too like traditional like Ubisoft for me mm. even with that said I still platinumed it because it was like one of those games where like I could just turn off my brain you know put something on in the background and just like mindlessly keep doing these check uh, checklist kind of things yeah it's comfort um, food exactly that's number two is Ghost of Tsushima um I got 142 hours into that game um like Let I the said, blossoms I like, flow, man. Like the blossoms flow, hey, man. I definitely did. I like. There's <laughs> like. I I love you know uh, the aesthetic of that world. Like it's absolutely gorgeous. Um, I love you know about midway, like half of that story. I love about half of that story. Like the first act was like not the most exciting to me, but then I want to say the mission of uh, the battle of Yarikawa. I think it's called. Like when you actually become the ghost of Tsushima and you slice off the leader's uh, head for the first time and you get the the ghost stance for the first time as well and you're scaring all these, um, you know, all these invaders and they're, they're like crawling on the floor and they're running screaming. Like that mission is like kind of what, like, uh, a, like a flip switched for me where I was like, okay, like I, I'm in now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced, like I, I, I dig this game. Oh man, it wasn't the like the very opening title cinematic. That one the music that is one, swaying and yeah. like, oh man, it's so good. That yeah, goosebumps every time when I see that man. Yeah. Um, for sure. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like I said, and I love the combat too. The combat's really, really fun. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like I I I feel like a lot of the mission design, like just like you know, the classic um just the Ubisoft formula open world was just kind of like <laughs> I love like, how that's the term like I love how even you hear so many people like call the Ubisoft stench it's like oh it, it got, yeah. has that Ubisoft like got little paint stench. in it yeah dude. <laughs> got that stench. and it's, it's kind of the same way like kind of like how I feel about Horizon Zero Dawn so like I really hope for these games like sequel, interesting that they can um I don't know have a more like organic open world that that isn't littered with sort of like checkbox things, right? Like, like find, you know, uh, you have two out of 89, you know, Fox dens or whatever, you know, like I, I like, I don't, I don't necessarily want that. Mm -hmm. um, but like some of them can be interesting. Like for instance, the shrines, like I always had fun, you know, like little, little, little tombs or platforming challenges like that will always be fun because like they always feel, like there's a, there's a certain variety to each one of those right like you're not necessarily doing or approaching them the same way like each and every time um mm -hmm. but for instance like following the foxes like i got tired of that after like the 10th time you know get away you fox <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah again, like I, I i get i get the i definitely get like the whole we kind of need to break like this trope of like certain open world games that have like kind of these lists to go by and check and check marks to or our box to check off and stuff like that but the one thing for like for me it, with playstation games when they, when they try to approach open world games is they always have one or two identifiable traits that really stand out for ghost of Shima, it was the environment which is gorgeous and it it, it just you want to be in that world because it like it looks beautiful and yeah it's incredible to explore and then with horizon zero dawn the complete mix of a rugged wilderness with high tech their dinosaurs is like super cool to me so like yeah. that uh, beyond like the open world stuff which i love open world games 
when it comes to PlayStation open world games, they hit different because of their of one or two unique traits that I gravitate towards the most. Yeah, for sure. And like I, I can I can talk about Horizon all day because I, I feel like that game in terms of its story, I feel like that and, and lore, I feel like that game doesn't get the love that it deserves. Like that the the lore and yeah. reasoning as to why the world is the oh, lore's amazing. It is it's amazing. Incredible, yeah. Glad we are on the same page on that one because I feel oh, like I was sure. alone for the longest no, time. Like I feel like Horizon, with with the sense of collectibles and whatnot, it it wasn't at least if we we're comparing with Ghost of Tsushima. I don't think it was as bad in terms of how many there were, but I think that collectibles succeed when there's a reward not in only completing the list, but in in each individual uh, collectible. Like let's say Spider Man Miles Morales there's these uh uh what were they uh collectibles that gave you like a little dialogue about the past or some situation that miles experienced with a friend or like those little tidbits or like dark souls where each item has their own lore attached to it like i feel like when they attach significance to each collectible it stands out as oh i want to complete this i want to get every collectible yeah, it's like the Bioshock effect, right? Like that game, Bioshock, is um, incredible for it as in storytelling because of the of the um, radio recordings that you pick up or whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. And, and same for with Horizon. There, I think there are some recordings you can pick up which you hear different kinds of uh, administration from back. Uh, no spoilers or whoever hasn't played it. I don't know if you played it or not, but there's people, there's scientists in that game for whoever doesn't know. Yeah, because where does it take place in um Seattle? Seattle? Is no, it it's Seattle? like Colorado, I think. Colorado, yeah, yeah somewhere. Because yeah. that uh, Forbidden West is gonna be like in, towards the West Coast. Oof. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was gonna be so good. I hope. But yeah, yeah. Like I, I definitely agree that um, I prefer collectibles that actually have like some like narrative, you know, like like tie-in or like importance or like they add like a new dimension or they just add something in general to to the character like you get a deeper understanding of the character and the or the world mm-hmm. um so yeah like in in horizon I'll, I'll always remember sort of uh there was like these viewpoint things that like you could you know stand by this cliff or whatever and you could look at like say this old coliseum and it would show you an image of like how it looked like you know before the fall of the world right and um, it would be like this guy, you know, just like talking about it or something like that. But um, yeah, oh, just, remember that. Just, yeah, Give yeah, me just, yeah, just think <laughs> things like that. Um, I really like in my open world. So like, I guess what I'm trying to say is that you you compare that to Ghost of Tsushima and it's like, I'm not really getting much out of, you know, going to a fox den or like doing a haiku, no matter how cool it is at first, you know? I, I, get, <laughs> I forgot I get, about this. Yeah, yeah, I get, I, get, <laughs> I get tired of it, man. Um, why, why, what, why, why, why do you get tired? What does it feel like? No, I just get tired of like man. It came it came to a point where I was just like, you know what? I don't even care what I'm picking. I'm just pressing X. The first, the skip, first skip. option, yeah, the first option that comes up. When I was when I was trying to get that trophy, that that was exactly what I was doing, man. I was just like, okay, X X X X. <laughs> Shout out to Sucker Punch, man. Yeah, 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 for sure, man. They've come a long way, man. I still think, I, and you might call me crazy for this, I still think Slide Two is their best game. But we'll, we'll. We I'm with you. I'm with you. Then, oh, come on, yeah. let's start this Slide Two gang. Let's do it, bro. I might be yeah. the the outlier here that has never played a Sly Cooper game. Oh man, oh, man, you got you got to do it. 
Yeah. I think you do it on PS Now. Maybe there's maybe the Sly collections on there. If you know, if PS Now is a viable option, um, yeah, like I might check it out there if it's if it's on PS Now. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. It's 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 a it's a little it's dated. It's dated. It's a PS2 game, but um, as far as what it offers as a as an action platformer, um, uh, with a genuinely interesting story and, and lovable characters, I, yeah, it's this it's man, worth the play. I don't mind dated. I've been playing Persona 1 on the PS Vita, so I don't mind dated. Oh, man, you have patience. You have <laughs> patience. Sir. It is. And let me tell you, it's rough, but oh, my God, is it, it's good. Like, I'm enjoying my time. I'm enjoying my time. But regardless of past games, then what would be your number one then, Jay? Um, so number one, I spent 164 hours in Neo 2. Um <laughs> this wow yeah this Dang. this is surprising to me because i'm i'm not like i'm not a souls guy like to to be honest like, i started uh my first souls game i started and finished in 2019 and then um i actually might have finished it like early 2020 actually um, bloodborne? yeah bloodborne gotcha. um but when i finished that i was like man i i need like i, I have that fix to play like another one you know and um neo 2 was right around the corner and i was like okay let's let's give this a shot even though i hear it's it's way more difficult and yeah it was <laughs> it definitely was like that game <laughs> that game is brutal man it's it's probably like just off the top of my head is probably the most difficult game I've, I've had to play because in terms of its combat there's just so many systems and and so many things that you have to like um just just know how to do and and keep in mind and so many things happening on screen and on the controller and the enemies are so much more like mobile and aggressive like that game is just unrelenting and and i don't know i i tip my hat off to anyone who who can actually like make it through a, a neo game um I was going to ask you that because I played through Neo 1 and while I liked it, I didn't really feel the difficulty. I kind of just breezed like the later half of the game. I found like, well, I think I found like one weapon. I think it was the the spinning one with a chain on it. And I just stuck with that for like the last half of the game and I kind of just breezed through it. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know, like I, I wouldn't be able to compare it to Neo 1, but... um. Oh, you didn't play Neo 1? Yeah, I, did. I played like the beta um, oh okay yeah and just from the beta alone like it feels like very similar um but again yeah, that's I, what i heard yeah I, I don't know like it I, I think with these games as long as you just like you're you're patient and you don't try to just like blitz through everything and try to be fast about it then i, I think generally you'll be fine um but yeah i think I, I never got to finish Neo 2 because I think, again, I spent like 164 hours in it. And I think I maybe had like a handful of bosses left. Um, but I think, I don't know what game it was. It was probably Last of Us 2 maybe that came out and that just took like all my attention away. Nah. And, then, and then like when I came <laughs> back to Neo 2, because there's so many systems that you need to know. Yeah. So if you take like even a week off of that game, you just forget everything. <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> exactly. So like when I got back to it, I was like, oh my God, dude, I don't know how to play this game anymore. Um, it, it makes sense that they're as hard as they are. Uh, have you ever played uh, Ninja Gaiden? Man, like back in back in the day, I played Ninja Gaiden too. Yeah, dude, that was the that's the only Ninja Gaiden I've played. But I still remember to this day that it's still one of the most difficult games I've ever played. And it makes sense that Neo is 
maybe harder than let's say Bloodborne or Se- I don't I don't I wouldn't say Se- Sekiro. Yeah, yeah, it's harder than Sekiro. Uh, it has less leniency in how to how do you take care of yourself. Sekiro is much more. Uh, it take it take it takes its time. Uh, bashing you in the in the into the ground. Yeah, um, for sure, for sure. <laughs> which, if um, you haven't played it, you should try Sekiro. Yeah. Um, I did. I did after Neo two. I actually tried uh, Dark Souls three, which I need to get back to. Um, I will say about like Neo two, like uh, the the thing that I love about you know my sort of brief experience with uh, from software games is like the level design. Like I love how interconnected and and I don't know. Like those levels just feel like like you come to a point where you know them like the back of your hand and like neo 2 that level design just like it's non-existent like all these places are like ugly to me like i don't want to be in them um they oh, do have a turn off yeah like they do have like the dark souls and bloodborne like shortcuts but like the places aren't nearly as interesting as you know the levels from from bloodborne as like you know central yarnum or uh cathedral ward or or places like that it's nowhere near as interesting contrary oh, a, i mean yeah that's a turn off to, to me yeah. no for sure and like contrary to souls games at least uh any i think any souls game you play and it's designed in a way that wherever you go it will feel as as natural as it can when you transition from uh, place to place neo on the other hand you have to go to the map choose the next location go to the map choose the next location it's not as interconnected you know exactly yeah um i will say i i think i enjoy the combat more in neo just because there's so much happening and there's like there's a, a wide variety in terms of like what you can do um the the weapon choice that you have like i I felt like I never really, and I don't know if this is a good or a bad thing, but I felt like I I was never content with just sticking with one or two weapons. Like I was always trying like something new. Like I would, for the longest time I had the switch glaive, like that's what I was using. But then there was a period where I was using the tonfas. Um, I dabbled with the dual swords. Like there's, there's just like a lot that you can do. And each weapon has, you know, their own different uh, combos and attacks that you can uh, do with them and then on top of that there's also ninjutsu and and um, uh, omeo magic abilities that you have so there's just like so much that you can do that it feels overwhelming at times but um, even with all of that I think the sheer variety of what you can do with combat and the gameplay I, I think is why I would prefer it over a Dark Souls combat um, but basically every other category i i i would prefer a, a dark souls game um and yeah that's 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 my three really quick just to run them down again uh witcher 3 75 hours ghost of tsushima 142 and neo 2 164 macho what do you got all right let's do this so uh for people that follow me on twitter or have just been following my work on lords of gaming.net uh you guys know i'm the rpg guy uh, or at least the JRPG guy. I love uh, my Final Fantasies. I love uh, Kingdom Hearts, Persona stuff. Um, I, I, I strayed a little bit from those games throughout the past couple of years because I've been trying to, to play more other games that are just not RPGs because they do take up a lot of time. And of course, the more the older you get, um, the less time you had to actually game. So, but even then in 2020, when the pandemic hit, I was working from home so i had a lot more time which was great to hit the backlog but of course it didn't stop my 
uh, my ever need to play RPGs. Um, and of course, there are a couple of ones in, in 2020 that were monumental for us, especially for us Final Fantasy fans. So number three comes in at 95 hours with a total of two playthroughs, uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake. People will know that uh, I love Final Fantasy, man. It's 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 my bread and butter when it comes to JRPGs. Um, it really got me into the whole genre itself. The voice acting is incredible. I was lucky enough to actually meet uh, the voice actress for Aerith, Jesse, um, Tifa, as well as uh, the voice actor for Biggs at PAX East 2020. That was just an awesome experience to kind of get their reflections on voicing the character and to actually see that in the game when you play it for yourself is just incredible. Um, I can go on and on and on about Final Fantasy VII Remake because it just did so many amazing things right for me as a fan and just as a, a gamer in, in general. Um, it really raised the quality for Final Fantasy. And I will say to this day, Final Fantasy VII Remake is the best writing and storytelling in a Final Fantasy to date, single-player Final Fantasy. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of again, I can go on about Final Fantasy Remake, but yeah, that's that's where I stand on that. Uh, number two is the one, the one I think we're gonna have a little bit of contention with Persona 5 Royal with 119 hours into it. Um, I I surely bought this game thinking that it was gonna be more of a uh defining experience for Persona 5 because I played through Persona 5 twice and actually platinumed it, so of course, I was gonna play Royal. But I did not expect how similar it was actually going to be to Persona 5. Um, I think I kind of overestimated what they were going to do in terms of blending in new characters and how prevalent that was going to be and um, how much of their presence was going to be felt that was going to feel like something new. And I didn't really get that until 100 hours in, which is something I really had a problem with. Um, but yeah, I mean, what are you guys' thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, be, me being the one that did finish it, uh, Jay said he's on the second palace, so uh, he hasn't really, yeah. he's not 100 hours in, so he hasn't, right. uh, I do agree, I'm not going to go here defending, that, uh, just because I, Persona 5 and Persona 5 slash Persona 5 Royal are, are, is my best, the best game I've ever played, maybe, I don't know, I still have to think about that, uh, <laughs> I do think that even though it did have a new kind of story within it's already samey story from the first one. Um, I agree that you have to play it a hundred hours or more in order to get that new taste of the fresh new characters or the fresh new endings or whatever. Um, I'm not going to disagree that if you're disappointed, I, that's, that's all in expectations. I do agree that a lot of people thought of it as the defining experience. I see it more as I don't know if I should compare it this way, but I compare it more as to how Final Fantasy VII uh, versus Final Fantasy VII Remake, how they're both completely different stories now. Because Remake, if anyone played Remake, Macho included, uh, they noticed that the story is not going to be the same. Mm -hmm. It's it's going to go a completely different route, possibly. Maybe it's the same and they're just uh, duping us. I don't know. Um, but Persona 5 Royal did the exact same thing. It did the same up until a point and then it diverged but yeah yeah that's that's I, you mentioned before too how like persona 5 royal really could have been more of an expansion than a full-on re-release oh for sure for right? sure 
Yeah, and, that, and that's that's where like it really started to annoy me. And I was messaging some of my friends that played through Royal. We're like, yeah, it's a great experience. I'm like, it is, but it didn't have to be sixty dollars. I oh yeah, definitely. I I feel I don't. I'm not gonna pretend like I know how much it costs to make Royal or if they even like remade the whole thing. Yeah, but, true. But things like. Uh, character portraits when they're in dialogue a lot of that changed a lot of the boss battles every single boss battle got an extra face to add it to them like there's a, a lot of things that add up to it that i don't know if a single expansion would have been enough it would have changed the game completely i feel like because persona 5 i mean now with uh what's uh scramble that's going to be the direct sequel to persona 5 vanilla so i feel like royal just was its own thing and more of a a, a brand a better entry for those who that didn't get to play vanilla maybe yeah that's so weird that it, it just feels like royal is just like ignored yeah i mean honestly yeah it, it i feel like it, it was just it's the kind of story that maybe they wanted to tell at the beginning but didn't get to uh i, I don't know yeah, maybe i wouldn't know why but yeah. I don't I know, like, they're, they're, alice is really weird when it comes to re-releasing their games or making sequels oh to for them. sure because especially with like, they had they well, they had Persona Four and then Persona Four Golden and then they had the anime which was just Persona Four and then Persona Four Golden the animation. <laughs> and who knows where they're gonna go from yep. there? And then they had <laughs> Persona Three, Persona Three Portable, Persona Three FPS, uh, Persona yeah. had like three Persona Threes. Yeah. Um, I, I do. Yeah, I understand that they have a, an odd way of releasing the same game different in different versions, but I would I would say I I don't. I don't put Persona 5 and Royal in the same category because that I, I judge them by the end. And each ending is completely different from the other. And it feels like it's not even the same world. It's like an alternate universe, just how remake felt. Yeah. I will say that the yeah, definitely that later like third of the game, it made it worth going through the rest of it. Even if I was just breezing through cutscenes I've seen again. Um, oh, for sure. For, for sure. like the third or fourth time. Um, so I hate, I hate to, to cut in the middle of this, of this conversation, um, but we have some breaking news. I don't know if you guys saw, uh, oh, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart will arrive on PS5 June 11th, 2021. Nice. Yeah, okay, man. cool. Okay. Nice. So yeah, so, so what, what do you guys think? It's, it's nice to finally have, have a date for this one. Like, so we know, uh, we just got off the heels of Destruction All-Stars in, in February, uh, and then soon following after that is Returnal, April 30th, I believe. And then now we know right after that is Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. So what's what, what are you guys thinking immediately? This is, I mean, I'm looking on Twitter right now and they have actually have a digital deluxe edition. You could go and pre-order that comes with some early unlock bonuses, like an armor and a weapon. Yeah. And then um, also comes a digital soundtrack and digital art book. So go and check that out on the PlayStation Store see if it's something you want to dish in and if you have the digital edition of ps5 it's um yeah man let's do it all right june let's, yeah, let's for go sure. for it well if your boy gets a ps5 by then i'll be glad about this oh, yeah. year, but so far, <laughs> <laughs> hey, i'm I'm, ha- I'm as much as i like to you know poke fun of it um i do like that a lot of these games are being announced when they are and giving uh been given dates because it just adds more to the raw of the already great roster that PS5 is going to have. Yeah, uh, yeah. Even though there's only like a handful of games on the PS5 that really are really worthwhile, but they yeah. really stand out. 
Yeah, man, Ratchet and Clank is absolutely a standout exclusive. Yeah, for sure. So like, and it's I, looking fantastic too. Oh my god. Yeah, definitely. So I mean, I guess this this kind of begs the question. So like, um, two of sort of uh, PlayStation's biggest titles are like, without a doubt, like pinned down like 2021. Yes, they're coming out 2021. What what do you guys? I think honestly, I think Horizon Forbidden West. Uh, like I'm 90% confident that is coming out because they've had four years to work on that game. Um, I feel way more confident about that versus obviously God of War. So like, how, how do you guys feel about those two games? Do they make 2021 or, or not? God of War, no. Okay. Horizon, I would say yes. Just because like you said, there's it's been around four years since they released uh, Forbidden, or not Forbidden, for um, Zero Dawn. Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, and then the expansion that came like a year after that, I think, or a little less than that. No, it was um, actually it actually came out the same year. I remember. Okay, that. then yeah, 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 there you go. As long as, long as they and the thing is, the, apparently it's going to be a cross-gen game, so I think it's just more of just turning up the bells and whistles for the PS5 version. But again, I don't know anything about game development like that, but you have to assume it's at least like that if it's going to be a PS4 game as well. Yay. Yeah. I'll be able to play it. <laughs> <laughs> See, Jim Ryan's thing about you. Yeah. Thank you, Ryan. I was like, I was like, why, why is he saying yay? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm assuming I'm just gonna assume I'm every day I'm assuming that I won't get a PS5 until like the end of the year, which I'm trying to be, you know, be harsher than I than I should, because there's just I can't I can't find them. I can't. They no. they I find out that they're in stock ten minutes later. And that's already too late, dude. Even less, even less than ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, like the first seconds. Yeah, literally. For sure. Yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, that's that's. I'm really happy that we finally got to you know that information because like it's been too quiet, man. I, I need I need some food and and you know this 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 fed me. I feel I feel you know satiated <laughs> at the at the time. I'm gonna yeah, still. Man. I'm gonna keep it, even if I'll die on this hill. I'll. I don't. I'll say it for my own sanity. But I do feel that either the spring or summer, there's going to be an announcement on either Elden Ring or Bloodborne 2, hopefully. And that'll be the big reveal of the year or whatever. Because, yeah, God of War, great. We already know that's coming. Forbidden West, great. That's already coming. But Bloodborne 2, man, it, it needs some love. It needs, to be, it needs to exist. I know Miyazaki has it somewhere. It, it's somewhere. <laughs> you've seen it you, you've been to the office i've been there george martin he called me he said hey i'm working on Elden ring but george martin has a phone he has a phone he, he has a phone it's super old i i only i have access to it <laughs> man i yeah. thought he was going across the street to the telephone booth or something nah, it gives nah. me smoke signals no nah. he uses, he uses <laughs> a, a blackberry man <laughs> <laughs> with, no, the, but, with the flip keyboard and everything. <laughs> but legit I, I don't see god of war coming out this year but i do see a trailer dropping this year at the most oh yeah for sure I yeah, so. I feel like we're gonna get like a nice um graphical showcase. Oh, for sure. I mean, rather, rather than just like a full-on trailer or maybe even something like Resident Evil 8, where they had kind of like a graphical showcase to show how that game's going to look and feel. Maybe, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we get maybe we might get the same for God of War to kind of tide over people on the fact that it's not coming in 2021. Well, again, not definitive. You don't have any, you know, proof of that, but it's just all speculation. And like I like, 
I don't know. Like I, I've thought about this for for some time about like whether or not you know God of War is going to be cross gen, you know, on on PS4, PS5, and I think I think it will be just for the sole reason like to me, it, even though like I don't want that to be the case, like I want it to be only on PS5, right? Obviously, but like I, it makes absolute sense because like there's not like sony has only sold what 4.5 million uh ps5s so far as of december um you would like let's say god of war does come out in like november and so by that time let's ballpark estimate let's say they have 11 million ps5s out in the wild um and like like I, I just don't think that there's enough units out there to to put out to release a big you know tentpole title like God of War. Like I feel like it makes sense that they would want to sort of like get as much uh, like recoup that cost as much as possible by putting it on as much platforms as they possibly could, and that that means you know the the biggest install base, which is the PS4. Like I feel like with a title like that, they can't they can't leave that behind. As opposed to a Returnal, I think that kind of does make more sense because you know it's a new IP. Um, I feel like they can they can do that with that. But God of War, it's one of their flagship titles, and they need that to sell gangbusters. So I don't know how you guys feel about that. I would hope so. I mean, <laughs> I would hope so that they go that approach because statistically, we have a statistic right here: one out of every three people don't have a PS Five. So yeah. ha having that much accessibility, I mean. And you're one of those, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one in three. What do you think, Macho? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I can, I, I want to be selfish. I want to be like PS5, let's go. Get the rumbles in there. Get the, the nice visuals. And of course, that smooth 60 FPS. Let's get it all in there to make sure, you know, that that product can be the best it can be in the time that it's made um I've, yeah yeah but th but then again I, I i can't be selfish in that sense because like <laughs> you guys are saying there are so many people with the ps4 still that just can't get a ps5 and who am i to say to you guys no you can't play this game because you didn't get you weren't at this place at this time and you didn't have this amount of money in place to get a ps5 that's incredibly selfish and i don't think that's right personally so as long as you guys get to play this you know whether or not um it is the definitive way to play a game it doesn't matter as long as you guys get to play the game i think that's important and with stuff like ratchet and clank god of war horizon yeah you guys want to play this game and you should be able to play it um and if if we get held i don't know how to say held back but if you've are the exclusives get um some sort of roadblock because they have to be developed for last gen then that's fine too. I think that's as long as people are can have these games and there is another option to play them in a way that uh you know PS5 users want to play them, then why not? You know, as yeah. long as developers aren't you know pushed to their limits because we have seen before where crunch is a thing and developers are being overworked. So I think it's a matter of just managing time and and managing kind of having a good work-life balance, which is important. So as long as developers are okay with the two, then by all means. Yeah, for sure. I agree. But um, I'll go back to just a, a topic before, just to finish all my top three games. Uh, Final Fantasy XIV, Aroma Born. I put 162 hours into that game. Somehow, you know, I stopped playing like in August. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just recently got back to it in January. But uh, 
yeah, I mean, I can Final Fantasy 14 is just such an amazing game. Um, and we might talk about it later in the podcast because it might have might uh be a topic of conversation when it comes to like the news that are surrounding, but yeah, Final Fantasy 14, man, it's just an incredible RPG, MMORPG, wherever you guys want to identify it. It's I, I, I can't talk enough about how much this game means to me personally, as well as just a Final Fantasy fan. Uh, yeah, if you if you I was actually watching the documentary last night about this game. If you have not checked it out, check out the um, no clip documentary on Final Fantasy 14, how it basically went from a crash and burn project into what it is now, which is a game with over 20 million registered players and is completely fruitful and has an amazing community definitely go check it out it's on youtube it's free so um it's 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 great just to go check it out Dope. all right so uh you want to go through uh all three of them again just to refresh oh yeah yeah sure so um the top three were number three finally seven remake number two persona five royal and number one FF14, A Realm Reborn, which is basically all the expansion packs in there, Stormblood, Shadowbringers, all that jazz. Nice. That's a, that's a damn good list, man. Yeah, yeah, man. Over 800, 800 hours so far, Final Fantasy 14, A Realm Reborn. So I love that game. Cool. All right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave this up to, to my, uh, my panelists. Do you guys want to talk about the uh, Last of Us HBO castings first or do or Macho do you want to talk about uh, the this destruction all-stars business <laughs> um, let's leave the let's leave the destructive news for the end let's talk about something really <laughs> great here which is the Last of Us casting for HBO right. it's for sure. holy crap dude okay okay so so uh, yesterday almost like last night I feel like right yeah, um, it was like around midnight-ish, eleven o'clock, I want to say. Yeah, yeah. So like the the second the second one caught me totally off guard. So okay, just just in case anybody doesn't know, which I don't know how you would not know at this point, um, HBO or I don't even think it was HBO, but it was announced that um, first Bella Ramsey, who is from uh, of Game of Thrones fame, who plays uh, Liana Mormont, I believe. Yep. Yeah. 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 Uh, she has been uh, cast to play Ellie in the upcoming HBO uh, adaptation of The Last of Us. Um, yes, sir. That, so that was like mm-hmm. a, that was a Birdman. That's the Birdman hands right yeah, there. Yeah, I heard it. I heard it through, <laughs> through his <laughs> through his microphone, man. Um, so so that was that was a bombshell within itself. And I was like, okay, that's uh, awesome. I love that. That's 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 great. And then I got like another like like gut punch that i was not expecting because i was like there's no way they're gonna feed us twice in one day right they're, they're gonna <laughs> they're, they're gonna announce this like a week down the line or, or they probably haven't even found their joel yet or whatever Fake. then <laughs> <laughs> then come to find out like maybe a couple hours later neil and 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 everyone else they're like you know what yeah let's 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 give them a little something they decide to drop you know what Pedro Pascal is going to play Joel in The Last of Us. And again, what are your thoughts about this? Pedro Pascal is officially the uh, the old disgruntled dad of TV shows. Oh, yeah, yeah for sure. Um, yeah. At first, it was in The Mandalorian taking care of little Yoda. Um, and now it's going to be Ellie, which is 
to me, like when I heard this, I was stunned because we all had our guesses, right? Hugh Jackman or this the same guy from Game of Thrones who plays Jamie Lannister. I forgot yeah, his name. Yeah. There was Nicolaj a bunch of people something. Being, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nicolaj uh can't think of the last name. Coster but, or something. Coster Waldo. Yeah. Right, right. So like we had our we had our guests on that. And like Pedro Pascal was one I was not expecting, but couldn't be any more perfect in my mind. Um, on top of that, it's just awesome to see a Hispanic actor rising up like this. And regardless of what Pascal is doing, he is at the top of the game all the time. So the fact that he even confirmed the news on Twitter saying a quote from Joel, um, or at least from the game itself, that was just like, oh, man, this is hitting a little different. So when I yeah, see him on cool. screen at HBO, it's going to be awesome. Uh, it's again, it's 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 a, the Hispanic in me is is thriving with enthusiasm from this news. Yeah, for I sure. mean, I, I share the same sentiment like and, and and he's another Game of Thrones cast uh, cast member. He was uh, over in Martell, which whoever watched Game of Thrones, you know, he, he didn't. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he, he didn't. He lasted what he lasted, uh, but let's he was incredible say, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just say his his ending was probably not, you know, not the best, not the prettiest, you know? Yeah, no, I don't think. Uh, he tried, <laughs> tried, tried. I see. I saw the show last, but when I was reading the books, I literally threw my book when that, when that event happened. I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's brutal. I mean, it's I mean, the whole show is brutal. Uh, well, we, we won't get that to hold kind of worms in there and. Uh, we got some passionate opinions here, I think, about that that show as a, as a whole. But uh, the casting itself, Bella Ramsey, and Bella Ramsey, a, as soon as I finished the episode where she, it was her last appearance in Game of Thrones, which was the, the Nightwalker fight, I I remember I searched her up and I checked what, what else she has done. And I checked, uh, what was uh, The Worst Witch? It's a British drama series. And for I feel like she has the perfect blend of viciousness and innocence that Ellie has because Ellie being realistic Ellie is being raised in a savage world but she still has that innocence of a 14 15 year old and I think Bella Ramsey is really gonna like do service to that in the worst witch she plays as this up-and-coming witch Harry Potter style uh, kind of wish that discovers uh, that there's magic and she's excited and she doesn't know what to do and she she's all kinds of joy and whatnot but then liana mormon and she's the savage this she's the head of the family but she wasn't supposed to be but she has no other choice she has to take charge i feel like she's gonna take charge in this series with as, along with pedro pascal and i don't want to i mean i assume there's like a million predictions with the rest of the casting for the last i don't know if they're adapting the, the game per, verbatim or if they're doing a, a different kind of story i'm not sure on that front but they're, they're already doing the right calls i think yeah if anything the thing is when it comes with neil when it comes to neil Druckmann and his choices when it comes to story anybody can debate that but when it, comes to, when, when, it, <laughs> yeah, when it comes I, I when it comes to character chemistry um he's unmatched oh, yeah. so the fact that he's that you know he more than likely had a say in this as well as the as the person who worked on chernobyl um craig mazin um i think i think that alone, you guys know what they're talking about that you know? alone like gives me the utmost com confidence that not only that neil is is like heavily involved with this but the fact that craig mazin the guy you know responsible for chernobyl 
is is also um you know in this it, it it's like i'm i'm reassured like i i know this is going to be good like that's the, that's all that i need to know yeah if not for nothing at least the characters will be memorable and the writing's going to be there yeah for oh sure, for sure, sure. It, it by no means it's going to be a happy story but it will be incredible because yeah I, I mean if we got chernobyl the chernobyl uh people involved we got neil involved we got these amazing actors involved oh it's gonna be we're gonna be sad for a long time after it's over but the experience itself oh it's gonna be worthwhile it's gonna be worthwhile do you think um i mean depending on how they do this do you think they're gonna set up um they're gonna set up uh ramsey to be uh you know someone in the last of us too as ellie to kind of follow that storyline uh i mean mm. Because I, mean, really, I, I didn't play, I didn't play the last of us two. I'm waiting, but it, I think it really depends on on the time frame they're gonna cover. Because if they're gonna go with the last of us two with with that kind of uh, narrative, they would need obviously someone a bit older, unless Bella Ramsey. By then, it's gonna be as old as she's. I don't know how long it's gonna be. Yeah, uh, I think she's 17 now. Yeah, I, I think I think she would need to like age up. Like, yeah, because she doesn't look old. She she still looks yeah. pretty young. She looks perfect for for Ellie. But yeah, yeah. you know, thinking as as you know, not trying to be like, oh, she looks like no, like thinking as like director or a cast, uh, the the casting. If you need someone that portrays a a and already someone that's seen some shit, you know what I mean? And- Definitely, and that's that's why I feel like that this this um her being cast in this role it is just like a, a match made in heaven because oh yeah I feel like uh Mormont like she has that similar like hardness as as Ellie and I feel like you need you need that hardness in order to like like naturally you need that that sort of attitude to survive the world that is the Last of Us and I feel like Mormont definitely has that so um yeah I don't know I I felt like the the choice was was like a perfect match no i agree and and like and and she can do the grittiness and and it seems like the cabin scene where she's reading the diary and she confronts joel like those scenes that show the child in her i think bella is gonna also uh do service to those uh scenes if they do them yeah i'm really interested to see how they're gonna do left behind to see if that's gonna be incorporated as like a flashback or anything of that nature because she only really mentioned Riley in that in that house scene, as far as I can remember. Uh, and then at, least, was, at least at least at least by name. And then so there's one. I see what I can do at yeah, the, the end. Mm-hmm. At the end of the she, game, she. Oh yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah, yeah, where yeah, she yeah. does say the name again. I, I did she say the name in the house scene? Um, I kind of remember. I, I I played it last year, but I kind of just. Because I, I know at the end it. she she goes all oh, her name was Riley and she was the first one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. That's the, yeah. end, that's the end of yeah. the game. Yeah. Yeah. The the yeah, cliffhanger right. of cliffhangers. Right, right. So <sighs> I guess a great ending though. I guess like this begs the question, like, so now that we have our two like leads, you know, casted, who who do you guys think is naturally like the next character that, that gets uh casted? Like so like Obviously, Joel and Ellie are like the two most like that is your anchor. Those are the two most important characters in this story. Who who is like the next you know like who comes after them theoretically that we that we hear about? Because I honestly don't know who who you would announce next. W- would it be Tommy? Honestly, the, for me, the the first thing that comes to mind is Tess. She is yeah, an anchor pick. for 
like the first third of the game. Um, yeah. And she kind of gives Joel that that whole um, purpose. Yeah, and the drive. So, so for me, it would have to be Tess. As far as the casting is at this point, I don't even know. I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't really start thinking about it until we're, until you brought it up. I do yeah. feel like they they should not not they should. I think they would do maybe the villain or the main organization, which in this case would be the Fireflies, the head of the Fireflies, which was uh, Marlene. I don't know if they would do her. Um, Marlene gives me Nadine Ross vibes from Uncharted. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I don't know who they would do for her. Um, oh, yeah, you know what uh, I thought? I, no, but that would be more Nadine. I thought of, uh, uh, what's her name? She played, uh, she was in Game of Thrones. She was uh, Daenerys's uh, right hand oh yeah she was also in fast and furious um, yeah her her um i feel like she would be a cool pick for her but no i don't know uh, i feel like a villain honestly i i thought of instantly thought of david the cannibal god that would be that would be the worst like could you imagine that if they're like hey so we we you know we just announced joel and ellie our next big announcement is you know that that guy that you guys all <laughs> universally hate <laughs> so. he's awful awful he was played by uh, nolan north it was right yeah yeah wasn't that was a twist man when you saw the credits rolling you're like nolan north played right David? yeah dude <laughs> Yeah, he's got he's got he's got surprising range, man. He also he also plays um one of the one of Thor's sons in God of War. Yeah, yeah. Oh, which one? Uh, uh, which one was it, Magni or the other one? I don't know. I don't know which one it was. Oh, I think <sighs> it's like the the fatter one who's like who has like okay. the red beard. Gotcha. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. see, he doesn't he he doesn't exclusively play witty smart asses. Yeah, he also yeah. plays other people because he's he played what uh, Iron Man and Marvel. Avengers yeah, and yeah. Uh, Desmond uh, from Assassin's Creed and Desmond. Yep. Oh, Assassin's we eventually Creed. get we eventually <laughs> gotta have a we eventually gotta have a PlayStation podcast just talking about Nolan North. <laughs> this man, I feel this like this man did his work. I feel like there's gonna be an episode where it's all Assassin's Creed because I do I do feel it and, and I do feel the energy of there's there's a lot of things that have to be said. I feel like about that whole series as a whole. Yeah, I agree. Gotta, gotta I agree. Save that for another day, man yeah <laughs> <laughs> um all right so i think we've pretty much said that like everything that we've we've we want to say about this um but generally speaking i think we can all agree that we we like these these choices right oh yeah oh yeah yeah i can't wait i wanted to i want to see it now i want to watch it i want to watch the show now like oh. just give me surprise guests all around <laughs> <laughs> um okay so i don't know how much time we want to spend on this i don't think it has to be too long but like really quickly macho let's like let's talk about a little bit about this uh destruction all-stars man uh you you reviewed the game for uh lords of gaming and what did you end up giving it i gave it a solid six out of ten <laughs> solid six <laughs> um, I, I don't want i don't want this to feel like it's like it's an interrogation or, or anything like that but, <laughs> but man um, you play good cop bad cop is that how it's gonna be no 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 oh, I'm, I'm man. Saying, look, look, look. destruction all-stars is the last <laughs> game i'm gonna go to bat for um but no i just want to get like like what like just g- give me your thoughts like how do you how do you feel about the game yeah so this one i was after that state of play they had um before the release it was i was excited for it but the thing was when it came to actually playing the game the first thing you notice is how colorful and polished it is and how how excuse me 
and how just like the gameplay mechanics just kind of all work together. Um, but when it came to it, man, there's not a fun bone on that game. Uh, I just <laughs> I couldn't find that rhythmic gameplay hook that you want to find in kind of, these kind of games. So while everything was polished and it was all a pretty bow on top of it, when you when I opened the gift, I was just like, I can take this back. <laughs> can I get my refund? Um, but Yikes. I mean, I, it, again, but that's not to say that, you know, it's a bad game. It's a fun game. You can find some sort of fun of it, but I feel like you could see everything in the first couple of hours and the progression system is just it's it what is it that's, it ain't it chief yeah that's exactly it's so lacking and on top why, of that the single player missions there's one that's actually locked behind a paywall so this game went from being a 70 dollar retail price for supposed to launch on the ps5 uh console launch to being what seems like now a free-to-play service game um, and you actually, from what I when I actually reviewed the game, I was looking to see if you could buy it on PlayStation Store, Amazon, Best Buy, Walmart. You can't buy this game physically. You can't even buy it digitally. So if you're gonna, if you want to try this game out, get a subscription to PS Plus, play it, and then do your thing, and you have PS Plus for a year or three months or however much you want to pay, uh, just to try it out. But as far as like when I played it and reviewed it, it's not it, man. I, I played it, reviewed it, deleted it. That's it. Damn. All right. So like this game, man, Destruction All Stars. Um, <laughs> so you got some beef too. <laughs> actually, look, here, here's the thing. <laughs> um this is this is the I, I actually don't play a lot of like multiplayer games, like to be honest. This is a game that like I will play like I uh, so I, I have like I think like five or six hours in total. So like I, I am actually like playing it consistently so i'll i'll hop in for like every day like maybe like a handful of matches and then i'm on to to something else it's just one of those games where i'm just like um okay i have i have some time before work or whatever okay let me get in like a few matches or whatever i i actually am having fun with just it's it's just dumb mindless fun of like ramming into cars i do find that fun but i will totally agree about the progression like there is absolutely nothing to work towards. Like I think the the sheer concept of having XP like it is so meaningless in this game because it's not like you're gaining XP to like unlock new cars or new abilities or or even new characters or something like that, right? Like it, it's it, like the progress there. There's essentially no progression. The only reason why you're getting XP is to unlock like new skins and they're not even like they're they're not even like um, new outfits necessarily it's just like different color shades for existing outfits and different car yeah palettes yeah that's um, what i was saying in my reviews it's just shallow yeah for sure so like I, I will definitely agree with, like the the progression is like virtually non-existent for this game um uh, and then like another thing that I have to pick with this game is like the arenas are like so not necessarily bland but they just all look the same like there's nothing like too distinguishable about them like they'll they'll introduce them and be like oh you know we're in Tokyo here or Barcelona or London and it's just like when you actually get down and start driving around these arenas it's like 
what is that thing that like actually differentiates each arena from the last one you've already played like and like i don't think it's it's necessarily there so like i hope in the future that they do start to you know add you know crazy ramps or more sort of environmental hazards like those spinning kind of blades or whatever like i i feel like i really need that um yeah so- that's what i was that's what i was saying too it was just like it's it if it's if if they're not careful and they don't add more stuff to do in the game beyond what's there in the initial launch it's going to be playstation's bleeding edge yeah I, I agree like i'm i'm already kind of scared for them like um they have been like doing updates and stuff like that and it, it has like i've honestly noticed like a lot of changes compared to like when i played it day one but um yeah i i, I don't i honestly don't know what they can do to to you know retain or even gain like a, a big uh falling because like I, I honestly think there is like a solid foundation there but it's just like if they're not quick with these updates then like this game like you said is going to be a bleeding edge and that's just kind of like the nature of these live service games man like they just feel like those sort of like lightning in a bottle thing you know that doesn't oh, exactly, happen yeah. to, to to every game but yeah i i, I don't know man I really don't know. Man, but um to cut to kind of um jump ship a little bit here. I'm I'm on the PlayStation blog about the Ratchet and Clank stuff. We didn't we didn't actually get into this, but um we were just talking about how how they're making you know games accessible to PS4. Unfortunately, from Rihanna's blog blog, um Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart is exclusive for PlayStation 5 consoles. But that yeah. gives me more drive to get a PS5 now, you see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah sure. it's actually gonna retail for um uh seventy dollars yep yeah yeah so so playstation is really going ahead with this 70 per per game and man, uh, it, it's it was only a matter of time i feel like and it won't yeah, stop there i, I feel like like oh definitely <laughs> i i dread the day that people will look at a game and be like hey can i buy this game how much is it it's just like 120 it's like what do you what what? Yeah, yeah. I mean, at this point, I'm paying every like six or seven months to play Final Fantasy 14. I'm paying like, <laughs> you know, eighty dollars for six, yeah. seven months. But so you're, so but you're getting point, your worth. You're enjoying. You're you're enjoying the game. You're getting that content. And Walker was announced. Like, there's a lot of stuff that that game keeps adding, contrary to many live uh, live service games. And from what I'm, what I'm hearing from you guys about Destruction All Stars, personally, as someone that's only seen footage and has read reviews and just has seen and heard it i really thought this was going to be just twisted metal but with added layers to it but it's not sounding like that it's sounding way more bland it it, it does it, it ain't it it seems like oh absolutely it. yeah yeah it's like i mean come on we, when we have when we have our foods we all know we love a little flavor in our foods right to such an all-star is the bland chicken of oh, life service <laughs> is that uh boy boy sauce is dry you don't want it i say if you want a little taste to see you know just to see if you you know you might like it or not but who knows don't do them like that man (laughs) i feel (laughs) like i'm i I feel like that's why they went with the ps plus uh approach of having it as a free oh definitely game um 
because nobody was gonna pay seventy dollars for this. No, God, no I mean no. they they were, but they're gonna they were gonna be disappointed. <laughs> you know, I can tell you, I definitely wasn't. The only reason, like I I don't like how I told you guys that I don't play multiplayer games. I haven't had PS Plus in probably a year, but I I specifically got it for Destruction All Stars, yep, and then here. and then I was like, oh wait a second. PS Plus is actually kind of cool. I get to download all of these. I I went to the PS Plus collection, downloaded mm-hmm. uh, Resident Evil Seven. Oh, I got right. you have that Shadow of the Tomb Raider from last month. I was like, you know what? This is actually pretty cool. I should yeah, I was in the same boat. Yeah. yeah, it I is. Like, look at look at all this candy. <laughs> it's a great <laughs> it's a great subscription. Don't get me wrong. Like it it has its worth and what you're paying for it. Like all the monthly games now, I assume there's going to be three games every month or so. They said they were going to do one month. They were going to do a game and then the other they weren't for PS5 or something like that. Um, but in terms of, of subscription, I feel like it's the greatest decision they made because of the general consensus. It might not be, it's not a terrible game from what I'm hearing, but it is not the game that it may be marketed to be. I don't know. It's. I really th- thought it was going to be a mix with like, uh, Twisted Metal and Rocket League in a way, something like that. But uh, nah. Yeah. Yeah. It just it just lack it just lacks a lot of just kind of what makes what makes these titles really fun. It'll get there. I feel it'll get there. It'll hopefully. hopefully. Oh, for sure. I mean, only games that I can think about that have dreadfully just gone into the abyss uh, in terms of, of as a service, multiplayer service. Uh, the two that stick out to me are Lawbreakers and Battleborn. But that's only because they came out at the worst time when Overwatch was booming. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, and some some people will, you know, ask like, well, why, Hector, why did you give it a, a six then? Um, you know, if it sounds like this game's like a five or four, um, it's just really because the everything works. It's yeah, <laughs> yeah. The one thing about these products is that sometimes these games just don't work, and when they don't, you notice it. But with this one, the mechanics are sound. It it's, has a great art style. The characters are diverse yeah. and have really great personalities. So there's stuff there that makes Destruction Oak Stars worth checking out. Whether you want to actually continue playing it is a whole other story. Yeah, it, agreed. It's good chicken. It's just not completely seasoned. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a, yeah, that's a sound <laughs> analogy, man. Honestly, I can't, I can't disagree with that. Um. Okay, so we have been going for a while, so I think we're probably going to wrap things up pretty soon. Macho, I know that I said we were going to talk about the... Because Final Fantasy is having, like, a, a concert this weekend, right? Yes, it actually. Uh, Final Fantasy Remake is having a digital Japan-only concert on Saturday where they will have uh, supposedly news on Final Fantasy VII Remake. Okay, so... If if there are, I mean, just for our next podcast, all the announcements and the information that we do get from that, I want you to, to you know, inform the people. You know what I mean? Absolutely, I will. Yeah, I, I, I follow a couple of people on Twitter that do actual Japan or Japanese to English translations, so cool. I'll be able to jot all those notes down. We could definitely divulge in that next podcast for sure. Um, so to close out this first inaugural episode of the dual shock and sense podcast i want to uh go by everyone and just tell the people what games have you guys been playing um like just just right now what's what's got your attention um for me i've been bouncing through a couple things consistently 
Um, so Destruction All-Stars is one of them, just like I get a match in there every now and then. Um, won't get too much deeper into that because we already talked about it. Um, but that's definitely one of them. Uh, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, I'm playing a little bit of. Um, I actually really, really dig it. Um, they're like compared to Uncharted, like I, I like don't get me wrong, I love Uncharted, but I also love how different Tomb Raider is because it feels like it feels I, I don't mean this in like a derivative way, but it feels more gamey. Like there's a lot more, you know, there's skill points and upgrades and new outfits that you can unlock and uh just things like that it feels like there's more going on it's yeah. a little bit more open world like there's you know uh optional tombs and crypts that you can go off the beaten path explore to find so like there's a lot more happening in in tomb raider in terms of like gameplay and exploration but i could not give a flying f about any of these characters or the story <laughs> um that's probably because i jumped into the the third game of the trilogy but like i don't know at the same time I don't care about Jonah. <laughs> like, um, Laura is okay. Uh, the villain just seems like a classic, you know, sort of whatever, you know, villain. The plot is typical, like, end of the world, you know, kind of stuff. So, like, it's, it's, it's all right. I love the stealth, though. It's really cool how, like, she gets to, like, blend into, like, bushes on the wall or she's, like, covered in mud and stuff like that. Like, I don't know. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff that's going on. Um, and then lastly, uh, the game that has been sort of like the definition of my 2021 is uh, Hitman, dude. I this is my first time playing, um, you know, this new trilogy of Hitman games, and I've been absolutely obsessed with it. Um, I have like 85 hours in Hitman Three already, which is nuts. Um, well, you reviewed it too, right? Yeah, for uh, the PlayStation bras I did. Um, and so like I finished I finished Hitman 3 and like this this show you, shows you how much I love it. I finished Hitman 3, have played each of the the missions several times to like try to find like all the different opportunities and ways to kill my targets. And then I immediately went back and bought uh, Hitman 1 that is that's accessible through hitman 3 so now i'm going through hitman 1 and playing those levels and it's just wow. like i'm absolutely in love with this game and i can't wait to get into hitman 2 and it's just like man dude io interactive is so underrated man these games are just like in terms of level design it is absolutely insane what they are doing within these 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 settings um just the amount of possibility the the freedom that you have to to sort of just like they they plop you into this large large setting which um almost feels like a labyrinth like a like a maze and they just plop you right in the center of it and they're like go go figure it out you have two targets go go find out a way to to take them down um you don't necessarily have to follow the the linear way to kill them you can just you know make use of all the tools at your disposal all the opportunities the people that are in the crowd all the the disguises and whatnot and just kind of piece together your your own way of of you know trying to eliminate them and it's just so much fun um you know figuring that stuff out on the fly and um yeah, 85 hours into Hitman, and um, I don't see myself stopping anytime soon until probably Returnal. Um, so, so yeah, does that's... That, does that give you hope for James Bond then, of how they're approaching this? 
Man, I do not care about James Bond. <laughs> um, I've, I don't think I've ever watched a James Bond movie, but I will play it solely on the fact that it's IO Interactive making. Exactly. It. Yeah, that's what I, not like the, the, the title, like the, the actual story of it, just how you're playing Shadow of the Tomb Raider and enjoying it. Yeah. Like just that approach of how, oh, the level design, I bet it's going to be great because it's the Definitely. same kind of approach with an assassin or agent, whatever. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so yeah, purely off that basis, I'll I'll definitely give it a shot. Um, but yeah, man, IO Interactive, they're they are they're nuts, man. That's what's um, up, man. So yeah, what what do you guys been playing? Uh, let Walt go next here. Let's see, what have I been playing? I've been I've been I've been changing here and there uh, from each console, but on on PlayStation exclusively, I've been playing what I've been playing Thirteen Sentinels, Aegis Rim. I've been playing it's it's a solid how is that man it's a solid uh what do you call it RPG no it's not RPG it's a side side scrolling what action strategy game a visual novel I don't know what we're categorizing I I hear it's like a mix of like those things it is it is it's it's an incredible it's 13 perspectives 13 different uh stories that intertwine it's it's great it's it's atlas They're, they're doing fantastic uh I've been jumping between that. Uh, I recently started Catherine Full Body. Uh, oh, great choice! Never played it. I feel like this is the best chance to, the best uh, way to start it. Um, Have fun with that one, man. That's that's that was one of my favorites on PS3. Uh, what else has have I been playing? I just finished uh, American McGee's Alice on the three Woo. on the Game Pass. My man, my man's playing the classics. Uh, I know this is PlayStation and all, but I just got to say for a moment, American McGee's Alice. It's rough. It is rough, but there's a solid platformer in there, action platformer in there. Um, and they, and, you see, this, this is great. And, and I just started Alice uh, Madness Returns with uh, that. That's also great. And the one that I've been playing the most are East Origins on the Switch and on the PlayStation for as much, it's and I agree that Jay made an article that he did say how Assassin's Creed has lost its essence in a way, and I do agree that this is not an Assassin's Creed game per se, but it is a fantastic action game. And I'm playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and I'm having a blast just treating it as this glorified Viking opera. It is it is fantastic. I'm having a ton of fun upgrading my skills, exploring the world. It's a beautiful, for as much shit that Ubisoft gets, they make beautiful worlds. Um, I love the setting. It's flat. Like, the, the, the terrain is flat. <laughs> There's not much to scale on, but it is a beautiful game. Um, so I've been playing that, and Control, that I never got to play. Um, I'm loving Control. <laughs> Nice, nice. What about you, Macho? So yeah, I'm playing through uh, a kind of like a nice buffet of gaming here. Um, my regular has been Final Fantasy XIV for the past month, which I've like put over like 130, 140 hours, which is nuts considering like the the amount I'm working and all the stuff that I'm doing on boards of gaming and stuff like that, and just honestly, you know, personal life stuff. Um, but also, uh, I made it a thing that at the end of 2020, that I'll start playing all the Assassin, all the mainline Assassin's Creed games, starting with Assassin's Creed 2, because I just cannot go back to the first one. It's a little too dated for me. <laughs> um, 
And right now for the month of February is Assassin's Creed Revelations. And I'm enjoying it a lot. I think I'm reflecting back on it from, uh, I didn't really enjoy it as much, but I still had a fun time. I'm actually pleasantly surprised at how much I actually am having fun with this one. Um, especially coming after Brotherhood, which was just uh, that kind of gameplay was just awesome. And then Revelation is definitely toned back more, but the story is front and center. I'm really enjoying what they're doing with that. Um, uh, that's for the PlayStation side, more or less. But on PC, it's all Final Fantasy 14. And I'm actually 50, 60 hours into The Witcher 3, which on PC is, oh my gosh, it's mind-blowing. Mind the man. kind of experience Exquisite. you get. Oh, it's like prime dinner. It's like oh, yeah. you, it's, it's like you get to, yeah, man. It's 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 fantastic. It's it's that Witcher Three experience on PC is if you have a gaming PC, you're able to run Witcher Three and run it at like a really good high frame rate with the quality and the mods and all that stuff. It's it's fantastic. And also, um, Death Stranding was once a PS4 exclusive. Huh. I, was, I was tired of I was tired of waiting for that PS5 update for it. Um, so I decided to get on PC, and uh, I'm actually really enjoying it. I, I I love Kingdom Hearts. So you guys know, like I love kind of like a cryptic story um, that kind of had like meta meanings and stuff like that. So I'm yeah. really enjoying Death Stranding. What's presenting Death Stranding? What's presenting? And while yes, it is definitely a walking simulator, I find it very immersive anyway. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's it's a for people when people say that there's not enough variety in games anymore, that everything's kind of copy and paste. Death Stranding is that one where either you're going to love it or you're going to hate it, Definitely. but it is different. So regardless, you know, give it a try. I know for people that are, you know, that are familiar with kind of the crumb side of YouTube, Solid Rev, he's been a kind of a veteran YouTuber around those parts. And he's a straight up Call of Duty, you know, FBS kind of guy, but likes to delve into certain you know, other action games. And even he liked Death Stranding and put it as his game of the year. So I think... If anything, you know, even if it's something you might not like from a YouTube video, try it out anyway if you can. Death Stranding is definitely, uh, it's unique and something I'm enjoying at, at the time. Yeah, that's that's a game that, like, I liked enough to to actually finish it and, and see through it to the end. But that's there a game that I, I'll probably never return to. Like, I'll never. <laughs> <laughs> like that's, that's fair. Yeah, that's one of those experiences that I, I'll play through one time. And it's like, OK, like I got what I needed from it. And yeah. Up until now, I still remember you posting how the last scene is like two hours long. And like it was like a whole movie. That like, was the- that was something that like I remember seeing on like um on like reddit or something it was like a rumor before the game came out so like i, I posted it and i was like oh my god dude no way was it as long i don't think it was like because i haven't yeah. finished the game but i'm not not enjoying it it's just i haven't picked that up because there's so many games in between that but yeah it's, it was definitely no like two hour long cutscene. that was some bs okay um, yeah yeah i'm just i'm literally just taking my time with it because for sure i'm done rushing through games and this is like for review or something um, then I'll save my palette for that. But when it comes to like games like Death Stranding, we're like, don't rush through it. Take your time, you know? So like, yeah. you know, a couple hours every other day or so, or, you know, a couple of times a week is fine. You know, the games are not going anywhere. Yeah. Yes. For sure. um, okay. And with that, I think we are going to call this the end of the first episode of the DualShock and Sense podcast. Woo. Um, yeah, Yo. this this felt this felt good to finally do, man. Let me just say, 
Um, and like, I, I think it's really cool that our first episode, we actually had news breaking like in the middle of our show. Like, I feel like that's such a rarity. Like, when does that, when would that ever happen? You know, um, Thursdays like, are a good time, man. Thursdays I guess so. Time. Like the biggest thing I was afraid of was like, in terms of us like figuring out time of when to do this was like oh crap like what if we we do this too early and like let's say like i don't know playstation acquires square enix and it, it happens like an hour after we record our podcast or like <laughs> you know what i mean or some big news happens on a friday when we already recorded on thursday so i'm glad yeah I'm glad i feel that, like it's like, gonna happen yeah so like i don't know i'm glad that like the big news of like the week i guess happened while we were recording like that's pretty cool um yeah i mean as, as far as that too i mean we're still trying to figure out timing and recording and stuff like that um obviously we would like to go into live streaming the podcast but we're still trying to kind of figure out all of like the mechanics that are going to go into all this uh, we're all pretty fresh and new to obs and live streaming and all this stuff so um bear with us we're, we're trying to get it all figured out in a timely manner and um but as for right now yeah just enjoy the recordings that will be posted up onto your YouTube channel, right, Sol? Yeah, that's for sure. I'll get it up there hopefully later today. And um, like I said, we'll, we'll, I'll put down everyone's uh, handles uh, where you can find these guys um, on Twitter. Please give these guys a follow, man. Uh, check out their work. Um, yeah, yeah, at the so same time, follow our, our uh, the Twitter, uh, the podcast Twitter at, at Shock and Sense. So Shock and Sense. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so I guess that's that's pretty much it. You guys want to quickly uh, plug anything before we head out? Not really. Uh, only thing I would like to plug is just for people that do want to experience one or the other, if you want to give Yakuza a chance, check Yakuza 0 or Lucky Dragon. You won't regret it. Nice. What about you, Yeah, Mantra? man. And... Um, yeah, so thank you for watching the episode, guys, for the pilot episode of the Dual Shock and Sense podcast. Um, it was a pleasure to do this, and uh, I can't wait to actually for this to be a thing weekly. Uh, it's going to be a ton of fun. 2021 is going to be big for PlayStation, and uh, we're all excited. So jump aboard with us. Let's have some fun, and let's stay positive. Yeah, for sure. Um, I didn't think of an uh, an outro for, for this, uh, for the podcast. So, like... Um, I'm just, I'm just going to say, <laughs> I'm just going to say, I'm just going to win It's all it. work in progress. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think that proves the, uh, our point of this being, you know, just, uh, just a work in progress, man. But hey, that's, that's how it's going to be. Um, so yeah, for the Dual Shock and Sense podcast, man, we are signing out. Peace. Peace. See ya.